Hello and welcome to the latest episode of OC Talks, the podcast by Oncology Central. My name is Freya Leesk, I'm a publisher at Future Science Group, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Professor Michael Thomas. Michael is head of the Department of Thoracic Oncology and Internal Medicine at the Thorax Clinic Heidelberg in Germany. And today we'll be discussing the adoption of comprehensive genomic profiling, or CGP, in oncology, and Michael's own experiences of implementing CGP into clinical practice. So to kick us off, uh, Michael, could you introduce yourself, your research background, and your current research interests? Well, as just mentioned from your side, I'm heading the Department of Thoracic Oncology at the Soros Clinic Heidelberg in the uh, university environment there in Heidelberg, and we care for around uh, 1,000 newly diagnosed lung cancer patients, for instance, um, every year in our institution. And here we provide care at best on the one hand. On the other hand, we are involved in guideline um, development and uh, delineating and discussing algorithms for our patients at best. And saying that, we have a major interest in uh, you know, improving the standard of care in individualizing treatment in oncology uh, according to the respective patient uh, with all the points that are important like comorbidities and uh, social background. But of course, which is the major point to stratify treatment uh, according to biomarkers and to better understand, you know, what is the impact of immunotherapy in which patient groups it's working nicely, what other uh, mechanisms of resistance and the same for genetically driven disease. And you know, with this frame, to give you some flavor uh, on our you know, uh, research capabilities and our outreach and research, we do code exploration in depth with molecular profiling and with liquid biomaterial assessments. We transfer then hypothesis delineated from those cohorts uh, into preclinical models to better understand what are the mechanisms behind those findings if we have a hypothesis, and if possible, uh, then we flash back into the clinics uh, at least to design trials according to the findings out of court exploration with mechanistical background from preclinical models to better understand uh, if the idea to stratify patients is the appropriate one. So we. Uh, um, move then back to the clinics and design potential IITs, investigator-initiated trials, according to those findings. Perhaps so far from my side, uh, to give you a feeling on my daily work, the main driver is to provide patient care at best. Fantastic. And how have you seen oncology practice evolve with the adoption of CGP over the past five years? Well, if we step uh, back five years to 2015, this has been a time when, particularly in thoracic oncology and particularly in a non-small cell lung cancer in the metastatic disease situation, comprehensive genomic profiling really moved into the treatment arena. Uh, this has been the time when, for instance, in the metastatic situation, it has been and it still is very important to know on molecular alterations as, for instance, EGFR mutation or alterations, EGFR alterations, has been important to know on the ELK translocation 
Ross One moved in the field that time at these years. And all those targets that I just named, and not to forget BRF mutation, for instance, offer a treatment opportunity with a TGI treatment, tyrosine kinase inhibitor treatment, which provides good disease control to patients, good response rates, taking, for example, the elk population, uh, the elk positive ones, which comprise three to five percent of patients with uh, the adenocarcinoma histology. If you detect those ones appropriately, you could establish a response rate of uh, 70 to 80 percent to those patients. And if you sequence nowadays appropriately the TKIs that are available and uh, provide treatment at best, for instance, if there are some metastatic sites are growing and others are stable and you employ local regional treatment options to those, you could end up with a median survival time approaching 70 to 80 months, which is quite tremendous for a metastatic disease scenario. So with this perspective and these statements on those molecular altered patients, knowing that if you do the, uh, if you provide the appropriate treatment to the appropriate patient strata, those patients experience a huge benefit. And so genomic profiling is an absolute mandatory tool. That's amazing. Um, and so in your opinion, what are the, the biggest benefits of CGP in uh, an oncology practice? With the growing evidence on the impact of molecular alterations in delineating or attributing patients to the appropriate treatment strata and algorithms, with the increasing evidence uh, of this impact, it became more and more important. And with this development and this scenario, which we have now currently, it's an absolute mandatory tool, at least in you know my perception and perspective. Uh, just to explain a little bit on that, in the very recent past, we learned on further alterations, like for instance the N-track gene fusion. We learned on further alterations in the EGFR receptor, like exon 20 insertions, where at least in trials very promising treatments have been shown, and uh, I perceive that in the next year, those treatments uh, will make it to approval. They will become available for patients. Another uh, alteration in non-small cell lung cancer, which makes it to a treatment option, is the RET gene fusion, for instance. So we know in the meantime, something around, you know, five to 10 molecular alterations which segregate patients into different parts of a pie chart. And with this segregation in adenocarcinoma, you could attribute around 25% of patients as a rough estimation on molecular stratified treatment options, which offer uh, treatment opportunities based on tyrosine kinase inhibition in terms of exon 20 Bispecific antibodies, in addition, come into the treatment scenario, which show good tolerability. So what I would like to emphasize is that those treatment options show a good tolerability. They could be instituted in the disease directory, even in elderly patients and patients with comorbidities. So 
so they offer good options, they show huge efficiency and good disease stabilization as emphasized with the example of ALK positive patients even on the long term. And you know, with these options in place, it's just very important, you know, that you know, is there a molecular alteration prone to such a type of treatment? It's amazing. CGP sounds like such a, a powerful tool, but what are some of the current challenges that need to be overcome before CGP can be more broadly adopted as a standard of care? Yeah, it's a technology which needs good expertise from the teams that provide it and uh, dedicated teams that move into this methodology. However, providers are in the field uh, and they uh, provide a good development of the technology. So I think challenges are on the one hand that there is the motivation and the decision to step onto this uh, technology and then to have in place dedicated team members that become more and more familiar how it's managed and how to drive those platforms. And in addition, then it's important, you know, to have skilled lab staff, even on the academic level there to have a good interpretation of the results, to know how to manage the technology if problems are evolving. So this is something, you know, where you must gain your experience and increase your knowledge. But all these points could be achieved. So this is not a hurdle which could not be overcome. So it's decision-making. Yes, we would like to do it. Motivation to step in it, to have uh, teams available that gain the experience and make the experiences. And of course, uh, it has to be uh, financed. So uh, the technology uh, has its costs, but costs, as far as I observed it in the last five to eight years, they, they're down. So the, Costs are dropping on an individual patient basis, and I, I think for the technologies as well. And so with these developments and with these market processes, I think it, it, it would be worthwhile that this technology becomes available on a broad-scaled manner to provide patient care at best. If I reflect on a nationwide level, in, uh, into the, onto the situation in Germany, I see that there are numerous institutions that reach out on this technology, that they step into that to provide multiplex uh, testing options uh, on this NGS basis, reaching out on DNA and RNA NGS to really describe in a good way the molecular landscape of disease. And if you do that upfront, taking the example of uh, thoracic oncology and lung cancer, if you do it upfront, you have then the complete information on molecular landscape, and in addition, then with your staging information by imaging technologies and assessing the patients with disease situation, all these points make the picture complete to individualize treatment at best, and. With this statement, I think, you know, uh, CGP is a very important part to provide individualized treatment with this scope, as I just stated it. 
absolutely. And you've, you've talked a lot about the, the potential of CGP, um, but could you tell me about your personal experience in implementing CGP in your own practice? Initially, I mentioned I'm situated in Heidelberg, a university environment, uh, taking responsibility for the regular oncology. Fortunately, we, we have very good and strong uh, collaborations with the different clinical institutions on the campus and with the different clinics there. And one important institution for us with the scope on uh, CGP is the pathology department, and here particularly molecular pathology. And the heads taking responsibility on pathology and molecular pathology and the teams in place made very early their decisions to step onto CGP and provided very early multiplex testing in the, in the manner as, as I just described it. And this offered for us very quick, you know, to participate and step into developments that are related to the molecular alterations, gave us the opportunity to early make experiences with TTI treatments in different types of molecular alterations. And uh, nowadays, it's a very strong and very strong and, and, and I would like to say, you know, basic tool to phenotype and characterize the patient populations appropriately to provide treatment at best. So experience is, is very good. And the experience that I made in this type of collaboration was very fruitful and very fruitful, particularly for the patients to provide care and treatment at best. Fantastic. And final question, how do you hope to see CGP impact the continued evolution of clinical oncology over the next five years? Next five years, then we will end up in, uh, in uh, 2025. As I already stated, there is the, the pie chart is becoming increasingly diverse. This is scopoid adenocarcinoma, and now it's starting in squamous and non-adenocarcinoma patients as well. There are even some molecular alterations which might impact on treatment in the squamous histology. Well, I perceive that if it comes to those molecular alterations and you employ TKI treatment, patients might experience resistance to those treatments. So they elapse and show disease progression. And this might be on target resistance mechanisms, which means that there is a change uh, in the receptor conformation due to a further molecular alteration, for instance. And with this type of resistance, it's important to have a reassessment of biomaterial like rebiopsy or taking a liquid biopsy and reassess there and check, okay, what's going on there? Is there a further molecular alteration which is prone to become targeted? by antibody treatment, by further TKI treatment, or other options which might arise at the horizon, like for instance, immunotoxin conjugates. So the uh, development is, uh, is becoming quicker and quicker. And not only it's becoming quicker with respect to potential tackling strategies in the resistance situation, it's becoming quicker you know, in diversifying the pie chart further. So I see at the horizon HER2 alterations like HER2 amplifications or HER2 mutations, which are particularly prone to monotoxin conjugates, 
with a very good efficiency rates in the clinics. And this is what I already perceive now in 2020. When we look forward uh, onto 25, I would perceive that there are further alterations prone to tackling strategies. I would perceive that the CGB technology is, developed, is developing and saying that this technology even might impact in the future to better delineate, for instance, patients that prone to benefit from immunotherapy because uh, this technology could delineate proxies which help to better assess the type of tumor microenvironment interaction, offering a good interference strategy towards immunotherapy. So this is something hypothetical, which I now state, but there are you know, early findings out that this is something which could be brought into reality. And you know, currently there are descriptions uh, from a conceptual standpoint to describe the tumor microenvironment interaction. And I perceive that those conceptualized reflections will move on a next level in depth in the next three to five years. And here the development of CGB technology might impact in uh, this type of characterization as well. And there are first technologies out like whole exome sequencing options with CGB, uh, which are now you know, in an experimental way in the clinics. But if it's shown that this technology is working robustly and becomes available to an affordable price, this might be something which then we will have in place in 2025. Fantastic. Well, Michael, thank you so much for, for joining me this evening. Um, it was fantastic to hear your personal experience of CGP, as well as the fantastic potential it has to really shape the oncology field. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, and if you're interested in listening to more podcasts from Oncology Central, you can visit us at www.oncology-central.com. Goodbye.